0: I have just launched a mastermind called The Circle of Influence where I'll be taking you under my wing to show you how to build a platform online that generates an income for you so you can have more freedom in your life. I'm also going to show you how to become a powerful influencer online so that you can score interviews and so you can get exposure on major publications and platforms. And I'm going to even show you how to build these platforms yourself such as a website, a podcast, a YouTube channel and a social media following so that you can get your message out there to millions. I'm also going to show you how to network with other incredible leaders online so that you can interview them and so that you can collaborate with them and really show you how to refine your story so you can share it in an unforgettable way to score more interviews, to score book deals, and to gain more speaking opportunities so that you can become a powerhouse leader. Now, if this speaks to you, make sure you head over to I am Joel Brown dot com slash apply and get in before I close my doors on this live, interactive, exclusive opportunity. We're going to go deep with you and with the community of Circle of Influence Game Changers. Don't miss this. Now, let's get into this interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with the incredible entrepreneur, Author, speaker, and coach Brad Blazer, who has developed an incredible system called the Art of Beliefology. He also is the author of On the Wings of Eagles, and he runs a, a powerful coaching program called Build a Beast, which is his live monthly coaching program. all right? so I am so excited to jump in with Brad because Brad has created a multi-million-dollar business. He's not just a coach that teaches business, but has actually built one and uh, he also has such a, a broad understanding of what it really means to break through your limitations and to step into your greatness. So Brad Blazer, thank you for jumping into the Addicted to Success podcast.
1: Thank you so much for hosting me, Joel. I'm certainly excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for you too. We were having a conversation before this call and you were sharing with me that you were hanging out with Grant Cardone and you're speaking at all these events right now and you have, you know, your books gone out and blown up in the UK. You've had a lot of unexpected things that have happened, but I'm sure that this wasn't something that you, uh, you know, planned everything for. It's that the fact that you put yourself out there and you have stepped in with massive conviction and certainty that this has really unfolded for you. So when it comes to uh, self-confidence and, and putting yourself out there, what is it that we can learn from you around this?
1: You know, if you had told me a year ago, that I would have a book out in the market that is now rated as one of the top reads for young entrepreneurs, and that I'm being invited to get on some of the biggest podcasts around the globe like yours, or that my book was picked up in the United Kingdom and ranked as one of the top reads for young entrepreneurs, I would have laughed. I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. <laughs> but I think you know, what it comes down to, like you said, Joel, is the conviction. Um, when I came out with the book, I put together a a series of goals as to what I wanted to accomplish with that book. Uh, I wanted the book, obviously, to do well. I know the statistics. You know, most people that write a book never sell more than 50 to 100 copies. And so I had bold ambitions, actually, to write that and then to write, obviously, a second book and a third book. And, And part of that really has a lot to do in marketing, but it really has a lot more to do with the conviction and the belief that I firmly believe because I've studied very successful people. I mean, I went on a endeavor for the last seven years interacting with and hearing from some of the greatest thought leaders out there, people like Kevin O'Leary. I've met him three times. People like Joe Namath, you know, the NFL star. People like Irving Magic Johnson, George W. Bush. And in interacting with all of these people and being around that success, you quickly realize they've got a different frame of mind. They think differently about things. And one of the things I learned in hanging out with all of these people is that their message is don't ever give up on your dreams. Don't ever give up on your goals in life. And in the studies I've done where I've looked at goals and goal setting, it's unfortunate that most entrepreneurs have kind of a vision where they want to go, but they never actually take the time to put together the roadmap. They don't have those goals. Matter of fact, a a study was done by Harvard University where they tracked hundreds of people. And what they found out, Joel, is that only 3% of that group had taken the time to write down their goals and put them on paper. And after tracking these people for a number of years, what they found was that 3% out-earned the other 97% 10x Not three times, not five, but that Uh 3% that had taken the time to put together their goals and write them down and review them regularly out earn the other 97% 10x. So for entrepreneurs and people in business, I say, you got to have a vision. You've got to have goals. And then more importantly is you got to take action. You know, you got to put those goals in motion, And that's what I did. I mean, I had a vision. I had the goals and the dreams, but more importantly is I took action and I set everything in motion and I said to myself, I'm never going to give up.
0: Wow, I love this. I love this conversation. I feel like it's so important to get it out of your head and put it down on paper because now it becomes this objective, right? It becomes your mission. Instead of it swirling around and and losing its uh you know, it's, its sense of excitement instead of it like losing its concept of what it could be, when you put it on paper, now it becomes even more real. That's like the first stage. Obviously, you got to implement, you got to, you know, commit to it. I, I was having a conversation with my business partner and friend, Emil Steenville, the other night, and he was uh, coaching someone and he said, look, this, this uh, client of mine really lacks discipline. And when you look at the results in her life, she's not happy with where she's at. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, what do you think it is? Do you think that the belief uh, comes first before the discipline or does the discipline have to be in play before the belief uh, comes into play? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts around this? Because I think it's an interesting conversation.
1: I I think you have to really have the belief and you have to have the conviction and you have to have the dream and the goal. You know, It's funny, when I wrote the book, um, and I say this to all entrepreneurs, one of the eight things that entrepreneurs will find is that there's a lot of loneliness out there, you know, and being an entrepreneur, uh, I thought to myself, my God, the first people that are going to run out and buy my book are going to be my mom and my siblings and my nieces and nephews and my cousins. (laughs) That's not the way it is. Let me be the first to tell you. And, And what I learned is that they've always seen me as somebody else. They've always known me as somebody else. Um, they never saw me as coach, speaker, author, you know, now up on stages, now transforming and changing people's lives. Even my own wife, who I've been married to now for over a decade, a couple months ago, she said, how long are you going to stay with us before you finally just give up? You know, I had sunk money into it, (laughs) you know, and I obviously had hired an agent, you know, Daniel Geffen over in Israel. And I've got this guy that I'm paying money out to that's handling all my social media content. And I said to her, I'm never going to give up. This is my goal. This is my vision. This is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And I think you have to have that commitment to be able to say that, even to your spouse, to say that this is who I am. This is my purpose. This is my commitment to myself because I know it will transform me and it will make me a better person. But more importantly as I now am at a point in my career, in my life, where my role and my purpose is really to transform other people to make them better and to show them that their lives today doesn't have to be the same tomorrow or the same next year and basically bring about positive change by getting on stages and sharing my message and getting on platforms like yours. So, you know, when you have that type of a conviction as an entrepreneur, really I feel nothing can hold you back. Then comes the systems and then comes the discipline and then comes all of the things behind it to make that vision and make that dream a reality So I think that the most important thing that these entrepreneurs have to understand is man, stick to that, really have conviction in yourself, but more importantly, don't ever give up. I mean, you look at some of these successful business people, they'll tell you, man, I failed three times before I hit it out of the park. Right. I interviewed a guy, Greg Paul, who is the only person that's ever reached the summit of Mount Everest with two artificial knees. It took him three attempts to the top of Mount Everest over five years. Five years he went back. And he was actually there the year they had the terrible earthquake that killed 16 Sherpas. And he was right there at base camp. And I said, in your mind, seeing that tragedy and understanding that that could be you the next time you went back, you went back. He said, absolutely. He said, I wanted to be able to prove to my grandchildren that they can do anything they set their mind to. And so I went back and then back again. And finally, on the third attempt, my wife said, three strikes and you're out. If you don't make it this time, you're done. But (laughs) he finally made it to the top of Mount Everest, the highest summit on earth with two artificial knees in his 60s. The only person that's ever done that. And, and that's so inspiring to me that, mm. you know, I, I share that message with entrepreneurs and I say, you've got to have that kind of a heart and that kind of a conviction to really be successful because there are going to be challenges. There are going to be days when you're sitting there going, how in the hell am I going to make payroll? You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. It's so inspiring when you hear these stories and as much as we can hear these empowering stories, we also often buy into these limiting stories that we tell ourselves as well. So what would you say are maybe two to three of the main limiting beliefs that you find within your students and your clients uh, that show up often, and how do we tackle
1: this? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great question, Joel. You know, I think for entrepreneurs and business owners, um, the first one really that I always hear is, um, I don't know enough. You know, um, I have this idea about a business. I've never started a business Um, you know, other than getting some business cards and letterhead, I really don't know what else I need. I don't know where to get the capital. Uh, I don't really know, you know, how to set up books and records and do all of that stuff. And I just smile and I said, look, you know, I was a 23 year old kid going to college. And I had an opportunity. And so I basically quit going to school and I flunked out the last semester. I didn't know there was a formal process that you could actually go to the dean and withdraw and take incompletes, I just quit going. You know, my parents went ballistic, you know, yelling and screaming, what are you doing? You know, you're doing drugs. You know, we saved all this money. And I said, no. You know, I became the black sheep of the family, you know. Uh, And all of a sudden, I remember about a year later, I come driving home in a brand new Porsche, and my brother comes running out the door screaming, Dad, Dad, oh, my God, you got to see this. Brad's got a new Porsche. And I went from the black sheep to now becoming the J.R. Ewing, right? That's when the TV show Dallas was the number one hit. And I was in business for over a decade, very successful, raising millions of dollars from investors all across the United States, drilling for oil and gas in Texas and Oklahoma. And then as they say, the stuff started going through the fan, right? Uh, Oil prices collapsed in the late 80s. The tax reform act took away the uh, incentive for investors. And so I had to make one of the most challenging, toughest decisions in my life. And that was to dissolve the company because I didn't want to put all my savings back into it and run, run the risk of going bankrupt. And so I dissolved the business over a year, slowly paid off all the creditors, let my employees go, gave them severance, and then took a year off to really do a lot of soul searching and find myself. And that's when I went back to school, completed my major, came back out, and started on that journey of really studying human performance. And since that time, have raised over $2 billion for other people. And I've set the records for many companies, global companies, where I've closed the largest transaction in those companies' history, 11 million, 9 million, 7.5 million, you know, where the commissions are loan are larger than some people make in an entire year. Uh, and that kind of spearheaded what we call our mega producer coaching program that trains salespeople how to negotiate and close these multi-million dollar transactions. But, you know, I think that that's the first one. It's the self-doubt and the fear the second one really is what I call the inability to see yourself where you want to be. It's 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 a feeling of unworthiness, you know, and I think that that also holds people back in reaching greater planes of success.
0: Yeah, so they, they lack a vision, right? They lack a vision. They're not excited for what is possible. They haven't looked at their potential or even flexed their potential to see They're like, wait a minute maybe this is actually possible for me.
1: You know, absolutely. I mean, on my speech Wednesday in front of, you know, this group of 100 people, uh, the guy called me. He said, what's the topic of your discussion going to be? And I said, you know, it's a good one. I said, I think for this group, the topic of the discussion is it's not okay to be Okay. <laughs> And he said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, think about it. Every time you go up to somebody you know and you say, hey, Joel, how you doing? I'm doing okay, man. You know, or maybe you're a regular at a local uh, shop and you're going in for the cappuccino or you're buying a sandwich and so you go up to the owner and say, hey, man, how's business? Oh, business is okay. Well, you know, on my scorecard, okay is mediocrity, <laughs> right? That means you're yeah. not pushing yourself. That means that, you know, I'm in my comfort zone, man. Life's okay, you know. Man, When someone asks me how I'm doing, I say, man, any better, I'd explode. I mean, I'm always focused on a goal. I'm always trying to do better next week, next month than I did the month before. Because I know to live a life of productivity and to lead a life that I'm excited about. I mean, Brendan Bouchard writes about it in his book, The Charge. Leaving a life that's charged is you always have to have something out there that you're working for that motivates you to get out of bed every day, right? I mean, the difference between success and not success is literally that small. I mean, even on my worst day, I know I'm going to accomplish more than most people because of the habits I've instilled and the things I do on a daily basis. People say, well, Brad, my God, how do you get so much done? You know, you're like Superman. And I'm like, no, but I said, if you look at my day planner and I show it to people, what's the first appointment scheduled on my planner every day? They look at it and they say, it's an appointment with yourself. I say, exactly. I go to the fitness center from 5.30 to 7. I make it happen because yes. if I don't plan for it, other shit's going to come up in my life. I'm going to get to 9 o'clock and then I hadn't worked out that day. I said, mm-hmm. to be successful, the truly successful people block out time for themselves to do the things that they know are the high priority items.
0: Amen, brother. Amen. I feel it. Yeah, I knew do it. it. I was just... I was just saying to, to my friend today, like I, it's, a, it's a non-negotiable, I'm going to the gym because a couple of days ago I didn't and I just know how it feels. I just feel out of whack. Yeah. It just, it feels like I'm not putting myself first and I'm not charging my cup, you know, to <laughs> out for everyone else. So yeah, it's really important. Absolutely. So you were hanging out with Grant Cardone last week, right?
1: Uh, What's, so, uh, uh, yeah, he was here in Houston, uh, you know, doing his 10x. Uh, promoting his real estate fund and promoting his real estate coaching program. I uh, was right there in the second row and then I uh, got a chance to meet some of the other speakers that he brought in. You know, Robert Shumman, who's of course a big real estate investor, uh, spoke about real estate and some of the stuff he was doing. Another speaker there, Tim, met another guy named Jacob Ayers. Uh, so the answer is yeah. I mean, you know, I always believe in learning and absorbing as much as you can even if it means you're going in, you're seeking out other coaches, not necessarily that you're going to hire them, but it's to hear their content. What are they talking about? What can I take from them maybe and share with my people that I can coach them on to make them better? And so my coaching method is a little bit of everything. Some, you know, Stephen Covey, some Jack Canfield, a little bit of a Tony Robbins, a little bit of a coach Michael Burke, because I believe you should always be learning from the best of the best.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Our uh, audience loves Grant. We've had him on quite a few times and there's so many lessons that we learned from him. What was maybe the standout thing, one or two standout things that you learned from Grant?
1: <laughs> money is worthless, man. If you got a thousand dollars in your bank account, you need to put it in real estate. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, Grant <laughs> basically does a great job of explaining to people that your money is in everybody else's pocket um he and another coach that i've heard coach michael burke calls that the savage or what they call the prey drive and the prey drive is the ability to optically see something and then have the courage to actually go out and get it and i think that's one of the big problems with salespeople and with entrepreneurs you know it's call reluctance let's face it you know making an outbound sales call is a tough and a challenging thing you know that telephone feels like a dead weight but man grant He'll go out and he'll talk to anybody, you know, and it's not that he's Grant Cardone. It's just that he has that prey drive and he has that sense of courage to know, hey, my money's in your pocket. (laughs) And if I can solve a problem, there's going to be an exchange of currency and you're going to pay me for solving that problem. And so I'd say talking to Grant, that was probably one of the biggest things I picked up is you've got to have the courage to go after what you want in life
0: yeah that's right yeah and the thing is once you've learned how to have that courage no one can take that away from you
1: absolutely You're you can absolutely.
0: translate it in any space in any industry in any room and it becomes your superpower it's pretty it's awesome a Great
1: way to put it you know i remember when i had my oil company i had this potential investor and uh I use the analogy when I was training my salespeople that you're going to get people that you talk to that are on a fence. If you can remember when you were a little kid and you climbed up the ladder to the high diving board at the neighborhood swimming pool and you crawled out to the edge and you look down. And of course, it looks much higher than it really is because the water's clear. So you see the reflection at the bottom of the pool, you know, and you're kind of doing one of these things where you're like, oh, shit, you know. And then you turn around and there's a line forming behind you and you realize you can't go back down the ladder. <laughs> but really, all you no need blank. is that, that little nudge, that push. Well, I had this guy that I had nurtured and you know, I knew the guy was worth millions. He was a retired brain surgeon. He told me that he had invested uh, in a couple of casinos out in Vegas. He'd already flown out on his Learjet to meet me and the team. And finally, one night, I just said, Dr. Schnack, it takes two things to invest in an oil well. He said, what? I said, it takes big balls and lots of money. Which of the two don't you have? (laughs) I said that, literally, Joel, I bit my tongue because I didn't realize that that came out of me. But after I said that, there was a long pause. And he said, tell me again how many three uh, units in your program are. And I said, go get your checkbook. I'll tell you how to fill it out. And he became one of our better investors. And so right there, I realized I've got the courage and I've got the tenacity to look a guy that I know is worth millions eyeball to eyeball, not talk up to him, not get on my hands and knees and say, oh, please, please invest with me. I basically hit him between the eyes. I challenge his manhood. But sometimes as a salesperson, that's what it takes to close these big, big multi-million-dollar deals.
0: Yeah, and I think anyone that's got to that high level if they've been in the game of business enough, they know that they don't know everything. And there's always someone out there that has an expertise, has some experience where if they could just learn that one thing or be supported in that one thing, it would 10x their business and 10x their life.
1: Absolutely. You're, I mean, you know, I was asked the other day on a call by a guy, how have you scaled your business so dramatically and so fast? And I said, a lot of it is, of course, marketing. You know, you have to be out there. People have to know you. If they don't know you, they can't flow you. I said, the other really is systems. You know, there's technology out there today that allow you to really accelerate your business. As an example, I just started using a, uh, an app that allows me to send group text messages. So I'm sending out, you know, text to a thousand followers every day, twice a week just to stay in touch, and the reason what's I'm that, doing that what's is, you know, app called? do you know the name of the app? Hit me up. Hit me, up. Hit me yeah, up. Okay. There's a couple of apps out there that do this, but, you know, when you send a group text message, number one is you don't want the recipients to see the contact information for the others in the group, and actually, if they respond, you don't want them to respond to the group. You want it to just come back to you individually, so there's a couple apps out there that allow you to do this. And I was working with another guy and I said, look, you know, I want to start buying lists and I'm looking at doing stuff on Facebook and LinkedIn. He said, well, think about it. If you post something on Facebook or LinkedIn and they never see the post, you have missed the opportunity. But he said, everybody, everybody will look at a text. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I need to be texting people. So in my social branding and in the marketing I'm doing, in addition to the Facebook and the Instagrams, we're now blasting out thousands of text messages. And of course, people can opt out if they don't want to get them. But it's a great way, again, to share that message, to build that brand and to basically get the followers out there that are following that art of beliefology that want to hear more about what we're doing.
0: Wonderful. So can you share with us a little bit more about the art of beliefology? How does this system work?
1: Yeah, the art of beliefology, of course, in the first book really is the concept and the philosophy that if you change your beliefs, you have the ability to change your future. You know, your life today doesn't have to be your life next year. Um, The question, of course, always comes up, well, great, I I buy into that and I believe it too. Now, how do I change? (laughs) And so that's where you got to buy the second book, right? That's called The Blueprint for Your Better Self. Uh, And really, to bring about change, you know, in your life, the first thing really is you have to understand that you've got these beliefs going on in your mind. And and most of them are false. They're limiting beliefs. They're self-doubt that have basically been carried with you as what I call baggage most of your adult life. These beliefs usually are fostered, you know, between the ages of 7 to 12, your parents telling you you shouldn't do this or you can't do that or experiences that happen repetitively over and over that those experiences now foster themselves as a belief. And so the first thing you have to do is really just ask yourself, is that belief real or is it a false belief really that is limiting and that is providing that doubt that's holding me back from moving to a higher plane of success? And nine out of 10 times, you're going to find out that it's basically a limiting belief. And so what you have to do is acknowledge it in your mind and say, I know that that is not real. I know that it's a belief I have. It might even be a conviction, which is a higher level of belief. But I now know that I need to challenge that, get it out of my mind and replace it with a positive belief that will allow me to move forward. And so... The first exercise really in the art of beliefology is getting people to understand this belief you have that you cannot do it is not a real belief. It's something that based on prior experiences you have had has become a belief. So look back and find out what experiences have you had in your lifetime that have led you to that belief you have today. And they go back and they say, well, you know, I did this or I did that or I tried that and it didn't work out. And I say, great. Does that mean that if you try something new today, it won't work out? No. Great. So let's take that belief and let's remove it and and see yourself visually moving it out of your mind. See that belief. Give it a name and visually see that belief out here, outside of your mind. And now replace that with a positive belief that you can actually do this. And then what we start doing, Joel, is we start creating small little habits to move them forward on that new belief, not major habits, but just small things that they're gonna start doing daily. Because I know that once you start creating these habits and you start doing them daily, that muscle memory, just like that old belief, will now work to make that a quote, new belief. And over time, that new belief begins to gain reinforcement because of those positive habits that start moving you to that higher plane of success. And then that becomes a lifestyle. You know, as an example, I used to be a triathlete. I was doing, you know, these crazy things, waking up, running 10 miles, riding 40, 60 miles, you know, in the afternoon. And it just became a lifestyle. If I didn't do it much like you said earlier, where you didn't go to the gym and you weren't working out, you felt terrible the next day. It became a lifestyle because I had been doing it so long that that was my new belief is that I am a healthy individual And on any day of the week, I can roll out of bed and go run a half marathon. And I'm at a level of fitness way up here that is so much higher than most people that are at my age group or that, you know, I even associate with. And so that's really the art of beliefology. It's teaching people how to do that and then how to shift in another direction.
0: Yes, it's such a great breakdown. Thanks for sharing that with us, Brad. I was uh, coaching someone a little while back and we got into this conversation of, what values would you love to strive for in your life that, you know, if you were to implement these values and to commit to them, it would bring more, uh, empowerment into your life. And, and he said, uh, discipline, I'd love to strive for the value of discipline. And so I said to him, okay, let's start with you making your bed every morning. Cause I knew he didn't make his bed. We talked about like what he does day to day. And one of the things he missed was making his bed. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I can do it. And I said, you know why it's important for you to make your bed. He said, why is that? And I said, apart from the obvious, uh, you know, it's hygienic and it looks nice, right? The second thing is, every day when you wake up and you make your bed, you're telling yourself, I'm a disciplined person. Yep. And you start to forge that through the habits, like you're saying with beliefology, which is amazing. I love that. The beliefs and the habits start to form your identity of who you are.
1: Absolutely right. I mean, you know, it's really more about muscle memory. Is If you do something temporarily and then you stop doing it, It doesn't become a habit. It's never going to move you forward in a direction. It's like that prey drive, you know, if you start making cold calls and you start doing it over time, eventually that becomes a habit. Now you feel comfortable making those calls. You almost look forward to getting on the telephone. You almost look forward to, you know, coming into the office and saying to yourself, who are the new prospects I'm going to beat up today, right? Right. And so it's a matter of just using that muscle over and over again where those habits create basically a new lifestyle and a new way of life. Or just like you said, it's the discipline. It's doing the same things that successful people do out of habit. But again, it's discipline. Those are the things, like I said earlier, that separate the successful from the unsuccessful. There's really not a lot there. It's just the discipline.
0: Yes, for sure. So Brad, you have two published books i want Not you to yet, share me-
1: one to be published soon yeah
0: one yeah one that's about to be published you've written one two books the essentially one coming out correct awesome so you have two uh written books yep. now what would you say has been the biggest realization or revelation that you've had about what it means to achieve success or chase success since you've written these two books what has become really apparent to you
1: you know writing a book is something I recommend everybody try to do um, because it really transforms and changes your life. Uh, It makes you a subject matter expert in something. People seek you out, you become a person of interest. You use the natural law of attraction where people wanna know more about your work and what you've done. The biggest revelation I think really in writing the book is that you have this message That's inside of you. And I believe everybody has experiences and has a message, has a story that can help change the life of another person. The problem is that most people don't really know how to look at themselves introvertly and figure out what that story or that message is. I call it your hard skill. In other words, Joel, what's a hard skill that you have that others would be willing to pay you money for because you can solve a problem for them? And I believe everybody has that. It's just that most people never get to the point of figuring out what that is. And so that's where you have to really look at yourself and your life experiences and the things that you've experienced over your lifetime. I mean, I was uh, talking to Rock Thomas. I don't know if you know Rock Thomas. You know, Rock's a great guy. He's up in Canada. Here's a guy that was one of the top five realtors in the country of Canada making millions. And then went on a journey of self-discovery, investing over a million dollars in himself, you know, studying with people like Deepak Chopra and Stephen Covey and Jack Canfield and Tony Robbins. He was actually a Tony Robbins trainer for 17 years. And I asked Rock, I said, you know, why have you been such a success? He said, it's because I came from an emotionally deprived childhood. I, I didn't have that relationship with my father. And so I was trying to prove myself and trying to work harder. And I had a great work ethic. And I said, wow, you know, it's an amazing story if you watch Rock's video. But that was his, his hard skill, is he had this hard work ethic that made him very, very good at what he does. And so I think that, you know, really, when I look at the works I've done, people say, well, you know, how do you find time to write a book? And I say, "Well, what do you think happens in my house every night at nine o'clock? My wife and my daughter go to bed, I go into the office and I sometimes will stay up to one, two, two thirty, whatever it takes to knock it out. Again, it's the discipline. It's my goal. It's what I've committed myself to do as an entrepreneur and as somebody that has these goals that I want to accomplish so that I can leave a legacy behind when I'm no longer here. And that's part of my vision is when I'm no longer here, I want my legacy, Brad Blazer, The Art of Beliefology, somebody whose works are still transforming the lives of others because my books will live on for centuries. And that's basically why mm-hmm. I do what I do.
0: I love that. You have that long-term vision. You have that, you're going for that evergreen success. Yes. Really, it, that's impact. And, you know, I have this conversation often with a lot of other coaches and speakers in the industry. And Especially up and coming ones that are looking for support. And I'll often say, you know, like, if you know you're gonna be in this game till you're old and gray, you're not gonna try and make the quick win moves. You're gonna go in and you're gonna make smart, calculated decisions that have true passion and meaning behind it. And I love where you're coming from, Brad. I can tell that you're you're really about this and this is a lifelong journey for you. So Thank
1: you very much. I I truly appreciate that. I mean, I had the pleasure of, uh, you know, hearing Zig Ziglar speak a number of times. One of the best of the best, certainly. And I know the, the world and our industry misses Zig. But, you know, here was a guy, my God, I think the last time I saw him, he had to have been in his 70s, you know, gray hair, you know, telling stories, of course, about the redhead. And of course, he was in Texas, which made seeing Zig so much easier for me. But he, like you said, you know, he didn't go after the fast buck. I mean, you know, here was a guy that was already worth millions, that was a household name in transformation and self-development, and he still was out there every day sharing his message, sharing his stories. And, you know, that's how I see myself. I mean, I have enough energy, uh, and I'm at a point where I'm going to keep doing this, you know, until they have to put me in a casket and carry me off stage. Uh, (laughs) As long as I've got the health – I'll be out there. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people look forward to a place of retirement in their life. And I was actually listening to a, uh, David Goggins, uh, podcast the other day. And, you know, I love David. And, uh, he was talking about all of these NFL or all of these NBA players, you know, who put in their 10 years, they make their millions and they look forward to retirement. And then you see them and they've gained 50 pounds, (laughs) you know, And you're like, my God, what in the heck has happened to you, man? You know, I used to emulate you. I used to look up to you. Kids around the world wanted to be you. And here you are now. You got this big beer gut, you know. What's wrong, you know? I don't want that to happen to me, and I certainly don't want it to happen to the people I coach. And I tell them, man, you know, always be living. Always have a dream. Always be moving towards something better in life that motivates you and gets you excitement. Uh, and gets you, um, you know, really charged up because that's, you know, that's what life's all about. You know, you only live once, make it your best.
0: Yeah. You need a vision that shadows your fears. You need something to pull you towards a greater future. It has to be in place. And a lot of people don't do that. They, they get to the top and they go, they celebrate and they're like, Oh, what's next? But they haven't got a plan for what's next.
1: You're exactly right. Yeah. I love that.
0: And, and if you don't know, it's like go and learn from people that have been able to step out and crush it. That's why, you know, your book on the wings of eagles. I love that. That's, that's what it is. It's go and learn from people that have gone to a higher height. So you can also fly with them too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yep, you're but, right. So Brad, thank you so much for jumping in today and sharing your wisdom. Uh, where can we find you online?
1: Uh, the best place to connect with me, I've created a landing page that has links to all of my social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. It's just myurls.co backslash Brad Blazar, and that is B-L-A-Z, like zebra, A-R. Make sure you put an A in there. It's a common mistake to try to spell it like the four-wheel drive or like the blue blazer, but no, it's Blazar with an A. Or you can just come to our website, bradblazar.com. Uh, the book is also available on Amazon. And, uh, you know, for any of your listeners, if you go and you connect with me, I will get your email and I will send you our free goal planning guide as a free gift. Uh, we normally charge our coaching clients 20 bucks. Anybody that wants to connect with us will get that free goal planning guide for free as our free gift tonight.
0: There you go. So if you're listening right now, grab the goal planning guide from Brad. It's about implementing, guys. It's it's not about you know just listening to it and cognitively understanding it. We can keep listening to podcast episodes and watching YouTube videos, but it's about learning what we can from it and taking. Even if you just took one thing from this interview, just one thing, and go and apply it to your life, you're already far greater and way better off than where you were before you started listening to this episode. Okay,
1: absolutely. Jump in.
0: Yeah. So Brad, thank you so much for jumping in. Really appreciate you, brother. Can't wait to see your uh, books get out there even more. And for you to be stepping out on more stages around the world, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on you. Uh, Brad, we end every interview with this last question. And this question is, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would the last 30 seconds sound like?
1: Boy, that's a great question. Uh, I guess, you know, the, the, the last 30-second speech uh, would be that I want to be remembered as a great father, as a great husband, and as somebody that has had a positive impact in changing other people's lives for the better. I believe that that is the greatest gift we have in all of us, and that is, of course, not to be selfish and go after it for ourselves, but get to a point in our career where we can actually give back and actually help others get to a higher plane of success.